Welcome into another All 22 Daily. I am Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Ray Cotto. Uh, yesterday we began the discussions talking about the changes in weights for the different positions, why those are happening, what's impacting them, and then just about kind of the rankings for the position. So yesterday we did tackles. Let's start today's conversation talking about quarterbacks. So the quarterback weight increased in our game from 9.78% to 10.68%. Quarterbacks are now worth over a tenth of your entire starting lineup. So Ray, tell us what impacted that. Yeah, it's it's the headliners. It's it's the big contracts that were signed this offseason at quarterback. Uh, we had a drama-filled uh, offseason, I guess. Maybe at the end it turned out to not be as much drama as we thought it would uh, with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But he signed a five-year, $260 million deal uh, with an you know, APY of $52 million. Uh, and then you had Jalen Hurts sign a five-year deal uh, worth $51 million annually as well. So just two huge deals really driving the market forward. And it's just one of those deals where quarterback is already the most valuable position uh, in the game, whether you're talking all 22 or NFL, right? That's that's just, that's just the way it is. And so when you have more resources, you allocate that towards your you know, your cash cow, so to speak, right? Your, your, your prize. And that's the quarterback. So uh, it's no surprise then in a sense that the rich get richer, if you will, the highest value position gets even more of a share of that uh, overall weight for your lineup. Uh, and it's probably not stopping either because there's a lot of good young quarterbacks set to sign extensions over the next year or so, right? We have Burrow, Herbert, uh, names like that coming up as well. So I think that train is just going to keep rolling. So yeah, for context, last year when we calculated our weights, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, those were the top guys. Uh, Patrick Mahomes with a $45 million per year APY, Josh Allen, $43 million, Dak, 40 right? So you're talking three guys now we have with Jackson, Hurts, and Rodgers all being over $50 million. That is a $10 million per year swing for a position that was already the most valuable position in the league. And like you said, just getting more valuable. And I, I, I would actually put my neck out there and say, I think when, when Burrow gets his deal, I think he's going to blow the top off of what Lamar and Hertz just got, which is scary to think, right? He could be getting 55 million. Um, same with, you know, maybe Herbert, right? These guys can be getting numbers close to 55 million, which will just, again, like next year when we do this exercise could take it all the way to 11, 11 and a half percent, which is, which is wild. So if you haven't played all 22 yet, and you don't have your quarterback, and you haven't made that kind of an investment, you you were you were warned. Make the investment at quarterback first, right? And if you don't, make sure you're getting the best defensive ends, edge rushers with with a Micah Parsons and a and uh, you know those guys, Max Crosby. Like get those guys because if you don't, if you don't, and you're stuck with a dare I say like a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins kind of guy for the next three four years, and then you're you're caught with your pants down few years down the road and you don't have one of these top guys, you're going to be in a world of hurt. So uh, definitely kind of another way. Again, it's it's a fun way to look at the value of these players and just a- adds another complexity to the game. Yes, it's just like the NFL, right? If you miss the boat on the most important position, you're going to be stuck chasing that boat and it's not slowing down. You're, you're, you're out of luck, basically. So uh, you're going to find yourself either stuck in purgatory or you're going to have to tank 
uh, until you get a high value rookie, which looking at next year's class might, might be the year to do it. So, uh, you know, there's that if you need to take solace in anything there, depending on how your startup draft uh, is going to go or went, um, depending on where you are in your all 22 leagues. So, yeah, just something to always keep an eye on those quarterbacks. They're, they're not going away and um, their share is just ever increasing at this point. So yesterday we talked about how we actually formulate these rankings for the top guys. So I'll just go into it quickly just to reiterate, right? So we judge it based on the guy's ages. We talk about their their grading, right? Over the past few years, not just last year. We look at past snap counts again over the past few years. We look at their draft position. When did the team make the investment in them? We look at the surroundings, right? What does their offensive line look like for these quarterbacks? What receivers are there for them to catch the ball, right? To make their job just a little bit easier, right? Because that all those things just help you know, a great player is always going to be a great player, but when his surroundings is great, it just brings out the best of him, right? And then there are a bunch of other things that we're putting in this. Don't want to go into too much detail, but we have at the top of our list a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Last year, he was actually our, I think we we had him at number three, which, you know, shame on me, because I think I was the one leading that conversation, putting him there. Um, but he proved with with the loss of Tyreek Hill, with, uh, you know, the reinvestment and some some lesser weapons on that offense, that he can still be that guy, right? He doesn't need a Tyree kill to be Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think another concern I had was just, you know, how long is he going to have Andy Reid? And, you know, he, st- he still does, so we won't know for a little bit more time. But until that day, I don't know how you take Patrick Mahomes out of the number one spot. No, he's he's... He's, oh man, I'm, I'm not going to, what I'm on a wooden table, I could say this, but he's, he's, he's been pretty much bulletproof in terms of just grading and just consistent production at this point. So, uh, yeah, to me, he's, he's clear cut now in any given year, he might finish two or three or maybe even four, uh, grade wise, just depending on how things shake out, right? Someone plays a little bit up. He might play a little bit down, relatively speaking, obviously still in that elite tier, but he's always going to give you that uh, that elite output that you need at that position. So it, to me, he's the clear cut number one. And then after him, there's this group of kind of this next tier of guys with Burrow, Allen, and Herbert. And I think you can shuffle those guys any which way, but those are probably most people's next three. I think there's a conversation to be had for Hertz, Lawrence, Lamar, like those guys are in the conversation, but I think most people and what we saw with people drafting last year when we were tracking ADP, it was Burrow, Allen, and Herbert as those next guys. And I think that continues this year. Um, if you were to choose between them, I, I think it's kind of picking out of a hat, which is based on what your preference is. But all three of them, right, their teams continue to make investments into them, putting as good of a surrounding as they could. You know, Josh Allen got Osiris Torrance added to his offensive line. They added a tight end and Dalton Kincaid for him. Um, Herbert, right. They had Quinton Johnston, uh, continue to try to make investments for him and then Burrow, right. They added, uh, you know, a really expensive left tackle. They, uh, continue just again, they added like a fourth receiver for him. Um, small kid. I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head. I don't have it. Don't put me on the spot. Just just go through you're it. supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here for me, man. You're supposed yeah, to be small here kid me, that yeah. narrows it down. I don't know. Andy Isabella, probably not. Charlie so. something. Charlie something. <laughs> oh, Charlie. Charlie Jones. Yes, Purdue receiver. A favorite. Actually, really like Charlie Jones. Big fan of him. Yes, he's he's just that pesky, annoying guy that gets targeted seven times a game before you can blink, and he's got like four catches for a first down chain moving type that just frustrates you if you're the opponent. Yeah. Big right. And exactly what you want for your quarterback, right? Adding a fourth receiver for him. So again, these teams are making investments for them to continue their progression. 
Uh, if, if you were to ask me what separates these three guys, this might sound corny, but Burrow's been to a Super Bowl, right? The other guys haven't. To me, that that does mean something. No, he didn't win it, but he's been competitive every year since he's gotten Chase on his team. So uh, he's still going to be my guy for the foreseeable future at number two. Um, and then we go to that next group, right? We're talking about Lawrence. We're talking about Hertz. We're talking about Jackson. These are the guys that are starting to get paid, right? Hertz and Jackson getting huge deals. Hertz making it again to a Super Bowl, leading his team there. But I think when you look at Hertz, his surroundings are just so perfect, better than any other player in the league, any other quarterback in the league. His his um, surroundings are just so perfect. So it's hard to really separate what he did based on what, it, or as opposed to what his team did and how it's elevating him. Uh, and you kind of saw what he was before the team was so great and wasn't necessarily that top quarterback. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you think do do you think we have Hurts too low? Do you think we have him just right? What do you think? I think he's around where he should be. I mean, you're asking me, right? Bobby's not even here to sit here and like try to fight back on this, right? But my favorite stat is that Jalen Hurts was the 19th graded passer after week 10 last season. And yes, oh, he missed a couple games with uh, with a shoulder injury. Yes, but we're talking graded, not overall, all 22 points. So we're taking into account just the games he played and his performance in those games. So uh, that does account for that. So he's made huge strides. I, I, I always sound like I'm like the, the Hertz basher here. And like, he's made probably bigger strides than any starting quarterback in the league from the time he was drafted versus anyone else. He, he, so kudos to him. But when you're talking at this level, top six, seven ish, right. It takes more to get to that level. Now he's got the situation to where he could be not the best passer, but given uh, a, the situation around him, what he brings in the ground game, he can still, produce and sort of give you that top seven or so finish at the quarterback position, which, uh, which is great, right? You don't care how you get it. As long as you get that output and production, that's what matters in the end. But just for me, as sort of a personal preference, I like just a bit more sort of consistency uh, trajectory wise um, from the passing game for, for my quarterback. And so to me, that's why I would, I would definitely, and we have him in the rankings. We have Trevor Lawrence just above him, but I would uh, solidly take Lawrence there just because again, he's so young in reality, his, uh, last year was his first year in a competent, you know, surrounding at all, right? Urban Meyer just was was a disaster over there in Jacksonville. So um, for him to basically, as soon as he actually has a professional in the room there, after a few games, really sort of, um, you know, have the light go on and finish pretty strong. So Trevor Lawrence, for for contrast, was the fourth highest graded passer after Week Ten uh, in 2022. So young player who's ascending, who's got all the tools. So. If you're sort of taking someone outside of that Burrow, Allen, Herbert group, I think there's, I would have Lawrence solidly as the next guy and then like a slight sort of teardrop thereafter. Right. And then the next group of guys, we have Dak Prescott, Tua, and Justin Fields, not in that order. We have Dak, then Fields, then Tua. Um, I, I had trouble with this one, right? Because you're looking at Prescott, who is in a terrific situation, right? Good offensive line, really good offensive line. Uh, great weapons with CeeDee Lamb, them adding Brandon Cooks, right, helping him out. Um, and then you look at a guy like Tua, who's also in a good situation, five years younger, but dealt with some like really difficult injuries, right, and questions about his long-term future in the NFL. But when he did play, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, like firmly in the top 10 and potentially talking about top five performance. And then you have Justin Fields, right? We we had Justin Fields actually ahead of Tua in our rankings. Justin Fields had, 
I don't want to say miserable grading career so far, but similar to Tua where the team just didn't really invest in him yet. And now we see them go and add kind of the pieces around him. They draft, you know, an offensive tackle for him. So you're shoring up that offensive line. They add Nate Davis at guard. Um, and then they go and they get him a, a number one receiver, right? So in, in DJ Moore. So do we do we have fields above Tua because we think that he is a better quarterback? I'd say probably not. What I would say is Tua's health is really kind of a scary thing right now. Fields, you know, you see the team making the investment, so you know that you're at least getting a few years to kind of see what he actually can be. Um, and, you know, with his rushing ability, it's just – Adds, adds another element that, you know, has to be attractive to you. It's, yeah, I don't want to say it's a make or break year for Justin Fields, but you're going into year three. Like you said, they got you some, you know, they got you DJ Moore. You had a good draft. We have to see some real progress. It can't be kind of this, you know, wishy-washy sort of incremental flash here or there type deal he's got to really he's got to really show it and and bring it i mean year three is is pretty much the time to do that at this point and and see what you got into the future so uh i think you have to put him above tua just because of the the health risk with tua i i I hate to say it for him but um you know we're one nasty hit from tua possibly not playing again or being out for extended periods of time and you just nobody wants to see it, but it's a reality that we kind of have to face. And when you're trying to select your quarterback for the next eight plus years, that's something you have to take into account. Lamar just needs to be steadier. <laughs> I mean, he actually graded really well in the second half of last season, uh, dealt with that 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 knee injury as well. Um, so it was kind of like he was starting to put it together, but then you couldn't see him really put it all together for an extended period of time. Um, but I think the time for Lamar to put it together has pretty much come too. Uh, I want to see him do it for a full year. I think he can. Um, so it might be one of those deductive reasoning type deals where I end up taking Lamar out of this group. I, I Dak is fine a little bit. He's, he's given, he's getting dinged for being turnover prone more so than he actually is. I think he had some bad turnover luck last year, although a lot of it does fall on him as well, but he's not a typically turnover prone type player. So if someone wants to put him there fine, but the age kind of works against him versus these other guys, I think Lamar Jackson could, if he puts it all together, he could ascend into that Allen, uh, Burrow, Herbert type tier. I, I really believe that he's got the tools and he's got something that really no one else brings to the table as the best runner in the league. So upside is clearly Lamar. As far as who you think is the steadiest choice, that's tough. I guess Dak, but I think the, the upside with Lamar is too great, at least for me. Yeah. And I think the steadiness, I would, I'd probably go to if, if, if you're just taking out the injury stuff, right? Like at, from a performance standpoint too, it was he was really good and really consistent when he was healthy, you know, and, and we're including guys like this, right. And you, you might be sitting there at home saying like, where's Rogers, where's um, Brady's gone. Wow. Um, but guys, guys like that, right. Uh, <laughs> Don't you feel old now? Like uh, Kirk cousins, right. Guys that have performed pretty well in the last few years, but their, their age might be getting the best of them. Right. And when you're talking about a fields who hasn't really created there and hasn't really been, been that guy yet, 
if you hit, you have to think of the upside, right? The 11, per, almost 11% of your grade, 10.68% of your entire team score is going to come from this one player, right? So you have to take chances, right? You have to take, if you're, if you don't have the top five pick and you're stuck at eight, nine or 10, you know, are you going to take the chance on a player like Fields who, if you hit, is going to elevate you into that top tier of, of teams easily, but if you miss, might set you back three years and might, you know, you might be picking one again. Right. So just a lot to think about. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's why this game is so great. And then last thing I want to talk about today, right. Let's talk about the rookie ranking. So just for people out there, you're probably looking at the list and it looks familiar to you. And that's because one of the things we kind of pride ourselves out on it, all 22 is what the NFL does. We try to replicate as, as, as closely as possible. Right. The NFL just told us what they think the value are of the rookie players. So why would we go and try to reinvent the, the wheel, right? So we didn't do that, right? So we have the rookies ranked essentially where they got drafted, right? Bryce Young was first overall, CJ Stroud at two, Anthony Richardson was next, Will Levis after that, Hendon Hooker, Jake Hayner, Stetson Bennett, Aiden O'Connell, Clayton Toon, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So that's our top 10 at quarterback, and that's how, how the NFL took them. So... Ray, why don't you lead us off? Tell us which quarterback, though, you think from like a landing spots perspective just stands out to you as like kind of the best bet to take here. Yeah, and it's not necessarily the landing spot per se. I just think Bryce Young is that guy that will become landing spot proof and can elevate his own landing spot because of his pocket presence and how he just negotiates space on the field and his feel for the game overall, um, he he can work through pressure. He can navigate pressure so well. Whereas, you know, other young players might be a little more susceptible to the situation around them. Plenty of quarterbacks who go on to have great careers uh, can be susceptible early on to their environment. I just think the style of Young's game is such that he's a bit more impervious to that just because of his his innate feel uh, and, you know, to, to maneuver and avoid pressure or work through pressure, navigate the pocket and just get the ball out quickly. Or, uh, again, to sort of improvise out of that pressure when it is there, which he'll probably have to do early in his career. There's no doubt about it. The weapons there in Carolina aren't great by any means. But I just think stylistically, his individual game is what I'm betting on more so than looking at the current situation on the field or in the front office and saying, Hey, they have these guys at his offensive line or these guys out wide and this much cap room, yada, yada. I'm just more so betting on Bryce young stylistically. Okay. So one of the things I look at, right. When I was comparing the top three quarterbacks, I wanted to understand what their situation really looks like, not just like right now, but also in the near future. So when you look at what the salary cap commitment is by the teams, the Panthers have, 197 committed in 2024 already 197 million as opposed to the Texans who only have 108 million. So that's a $90 million difference that they're going to be able to go and add players to that team. The, uh, the, the Colts are at 157 million, right? So somewhere kind of in the middle. Then when you look at draft picks, right, the Panthers don't have a first round pick next year. So even if the guys they have don't turn out to be great and they want to go add somebody, are they going to be able to, as opposed to the Texans who had two first round picks and traded one for Will Anderson. 
but now still have the the Browns first rounder for next year. And then the Colts have all of their draft capital for next year. So again, maybe giving a leg up to those other two teams is maybe being better landing spots. Then you look at some of the the other things like the offensive line, right? Akeem Aquanu being the left tackle as a rookie. Yes, you hope he gets better, but he didn't have a great rookie year as opposed to, again, maybe the Texans have Laramie Tunzel. Doesn't like matter. some of that, some of that does matter. Right. And then the Colts, Bernard Raymond, like that's not that you don't have a lot of confidence in that. Right. And then you look at maybe the, the, uh, the skill players around you. Right. So the Panthers went out and just added a bunch of guys. None of them are really great players anymore. I'd say like Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Miles Sanders. Then they went and got uh, Hayden, Hayden Hurst. And they have Jonathan Mingo from the draft. So you like Jonathan Mingo coming in, but those other guys, yes, it gives you a nice floor. And I like that because, you know, this, these are vets. They'll know how to run an NFL offense and help your young quarterback out, but they're not going to really like raise the ceiling. Whereas, you know, the Texans don't really have much at all, right? They have Dalton Schultz. They went and added, they have John Mechie added Tank Dell in this draft and then Damian Pierce. It's not a lot there. And then the Colts, you look at like uh, Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, uh, Jonathan Taylor, maybe that's the best group of the three, but again, it's nothing's blowing you away. So I want them to have that salary cap. I want them to have their full uh, draft picks because these teams probably are all going to be bottom 10 teams still, right? None of them are really going to be playoff contenders uh, this upcoming season as, as hard as it is to say that to these you know franchises that have struggled. So I think if I'm going with anyone, I think I'm going to take CJ Stroud just as the the guy in the group that I think from in college, right? He graded incredibly consistently. He goes to the Texans team. They have cornerstone left tackle. Um, they have a lot of money that they can play with next year. They have all of their draft picks or at least a first round draft pick from the Browns. Um, and then they have some intriguing players like Tank Dell, Damian Pierce. So I like it. Um, I don't think you could go wrong with any any of those three. I think they all have you know, an argument to be made as to why they should be the guy you would invest in. Um, but I think I'm going to go Stroud there. And then Ray, I want to know, is there any sleeper quarterback that you're excited about? Yes, I am a big Jaron Hall fan. I actually really liked his style of play and his, and his tape coming out older prospect, which is normally not my thing, right? Already 25 years old, uh, as most BYU players seem to be. Um, but Jaron Hall goes to Minnesota Kirk Cousins has one year left on his deal, and that's it. I'm not sure that the Vikings are uh, incredibly excited about the prospects of signing up for another few years of you know just mediocrity and just wallowing around the middle of the league with Kirk Cousins. So I could see a situation where he might get a chance to show what he's made of because they are going to do well enough to not necessarily pick terribly highly in the 2024 draft and put themselves in position to just get a franchise quarterback with the standard draft capital that they have. So there may be a window for Jaron Hall to make something happen. And if so, I mean, he's got good weapons on the outside. Obviously he's got the best receiver in the game, Justin Jefferson. Uh, they just spent a first round pick on Jordan Addison. So they've, they've got weapons there. They got uh, uh, TJ Hawkinson as well at tight end. So plenty of, plenty of tools for a quarterback or, or toys for a quarterback to really play with there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big fan. If the chips fall correctly for someone like Jaron Hall to sort of go in there and be in a good situation in 2024 and people might just be looking around saying, where the heck did this guy come from? How did we not see this coming before? But that might be a flyer I take. Okay. I like it. I like it. 
Uh, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. I'm not going to talk about Will Levis. I just wanted to mention that Will Levis, I think, is probably, of the guys not taken in the first round, in the best position to take over very soon, right? I think they've basically said that they're done with Tannehill. They're keeping him around just because they're not sure if Levis or Malik Willis is going to be the next guy. But I think, you know, Levis being getting taken at what pick 33, he's probably got a really good shot. So that probably will happen at some point. I just, my guy that I like is Jake Hayner. Um, his tape impressed me. Uh, I actually had him as my number six quarterback overall in this draft, which is pretty close to where he got drafted. Uh, he had a really great throwing motion, NFL pocket presence, anticipatory throws. He was making them left and right and a pretty strong arm. Like there was no aspect of his game that left me saying, oh, I wish he did this a little bit better. No, he doesn't do anything at an elite level, but it's all good. And I, and I liked every bit of it. I think, you know, Derek Carr getting that contract there probably means Hayner is not going to be a guy that comes in here and takes over after a year, maybe not two years, but I could see towards the end of that Derek Carr contract, if Hayner, if Hayner is impressive and stays on that team, that's that's what I like in quarterbacks, right? Like I loved what the Packers did with Jordan Love. You go draft your guy, you let him sit behind a, like a, a veteran and just learn from him. And then when he's ready, you bring him in and you you let him do his thing. So I like when teams do that. And I think Hayner could be a guy that gets that opportunity in a few years from now. I like it. I like it a lot. He'll be he'll be a, a dome quarterback with with some weapons on offense. I have no idea what they're going to do about defense. They have a lot of aging pieces over there. But the other thing is somebody from the NFC South is going to stumble into the playoffs. So that that's another thing. We're looking at these teams and we're all like, oh, yeah, they could have top 12 draft capital. One of them is going to make the playoffs. So <laughs> that's another well, thing to consider as well. Well, we haven't done like uh, we're trying to stay away from the this is my opinion stuff, right? Like I don't want to talk about which NFL team I had had the best draft, but I loved what the Saints did. I loved it, right? You get, like, if you looked at the list of my guys that I posted about before the draft, Brisset's on there and Foskey's on there and Hayner's on there and Keandre Miller's on there. Like, they drafted, like, straight off of my list and they added two pieces on defense that I think are immediate starters, right? Two young guys that go in there and are going to are gonna boost that defense. And, you know, they're doing that picking at the bottom half of the draft. That's that's a, that's a big win for me. So I like what the Saints are doing. I think I think it's gonna we're gonna see them transition quicker than I think people will, will realize. Yeah, as long as they stop giving away their draft picks to the Eagles, they'll they'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. All right, right. Anything else you wanted to mention before we close out? I'm good. Quarterbacks get all the all the glory in the headlines. I think we spoke enough about them today. Cool. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast, whether YouTube, Apple, whichever platform that is. Thanks so much for tuning in.